At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm? From 1965, it's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more and remember subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week the cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz with, with the savage premium so go to go to glow.fm slash savage premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else thank you very much Welcome back to the Savage Nation podcast. As we go to press, so to speak, things are getting much worse. Look, 
There's no question about it. Ukraine is a sovereign nation. But Russia has invaded Ukraine for reasons I've tried to explain before without justifying why Putin is doing it. I explained why Putin is doing it. Zelensky is not doing the Ukrainian people any favor. He's grandstanding. He thinks it's a sitcom. He calls himself a hero. The world is now kissing his behind like he's a hero. What he's doing is raining hellfire down upon his own people. Ukrainian President Zelensky delivered a speech to the European Parliament in defiance of Russia's ongoing invasion. His words were so moving that the English translator could be heard choking up. Okay, great. In the speech, in the midst of rocket attacks against civilian areas in the Ukrainian city of Kharkiv, Zelensky said, This is the price of freedom. We're fighting just for our land and for our freedom. Nobody is going to break us, said Zelensky, the megalomaniac. We are strong. We are Ukrainians. Zelensky continued to challenge Putin and says he wants Ukraine to be recognized as an equal member of Europe. Really? And he wants to be part of the European Union. He wants to be part of NATO. Exactly the opposite of what Putin has said he will not accept. Of course, Zelensky's remarks were met with applause from the Assembly of Lunatics. What he is doing is hurting his own people. Now you're saying, well, what should he do? Should he resign? In my opinion, if he cared about his own people, he would demand an immediate meeting with the highest level government official he could get from Russia and work a deal out, which is a compromise for Ukraine and a compromise for Russia. That's one man's opinion. But of course, many armchair generals on Fox News want full war. The brutality gets worse. Missile demolishes Kharkiv administration building. Completely lit up. Do they understand who they are dealing with? Do they understand that Putin has escalate his bomb, will escalate his bombings even further as his 40-mile convoy of troops closes in on Ukraine's capital? Let me repeat that. Troops in a 40-mile convoy from Russia. How do you think this is going to end? Meanwhile, in Ukraine itself... The peace talks are allegedly going on, but it's not going anywhere because you have a madman called Zelensky who thinks he's in a sitcom and he's playing a hero. The man is destroying his own nation. Now we look at Steven Seagal, who, as you well know, abdicated himself to Russia. And Putin pal Steven Seagal speaks out on Ukraine invasion. I look at both as one family. Well, that's very diplomatic. Action star Steven Seagal, who was banned from Ukraine for five years in 2017, after Russian President Putin gave the actor a Russian passport, saying he looks at both sides as one family. Most of us have friends and family in Russia and Ukraine. I look at both as one family, really believe it as an outside entity spending huge sums of money on propaganda to provoke the two countries to be at odds with each other. That's interesting. The 69-year-old actor, Steven Seagal, continue, My prayers are that both countries will come to a positive, peaceful resolution where we can live and thrive together in peace. Maybe the hollow words, but you may not know this, but Steven Seagal was appointed as a special envoy for humanitarian ties with the United States by the Russian foreign ministry in 2018. The unpaid relationship would, quote, facilitate relations between Russia and the United States in the humanitarian field. Well, it didn't really work out, did it? In 2021, Steven Seagal was formally inducted into the pro-Putin A, Just Russia, Patriots, for Truth Political Party, a ceremony. Hmm. 
He was granted Russian citizenship in 2016 and defended Russia's leadership for its annexation of Crimea in 2014, calling Putin one of the great living world leaders. Shortly after he was granted Russian citizenship and personally presented with a passport by Putin, Ukraine demand deemed the actor a threat to national security and banned him from the country for five years. So you could see already this is not a one-sided story. The citizenship to Russia was meant to try to bring the Ukraines and Russians together. But this hard-core government, these hardliners under Zelensky the madman, did not improve relations, but destroyed relations between Russia and Ukraine. Now, we all know that the death tolls right now are unclear. Reportedly, hundreds of civilians have been killed in Ukraine, including 16 children. Hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians have fled the violence, causing a massive refugee crisis in Europe. Do you think this is going to end because Zelensky says we will not bend? Think about it. Think very carefully. Think very carefully. And for those of you who think that Zelensky is a hero, I suggest that you get yourself a one-way ticket to Ukraine because you're not coming back. Maybe he'll grant you a citizenship. Maybe he'll give you a passport, a personal passport that you can show around the streets of Berkeley. What else can I tell you that you don't already know? City hospital in Kharkiv shelled number of victims. The weapons that are turning the Russian hunters into prey, meaning the missiles we sent Ukraine. Do you understand the tank-killing weapons that we sent them is making this worse, not better? You're making Russia even angrier. This is like a bear that's out of control. And what you do is when you bloody that bear, the bear goes totally insane. So you say, well, what's the option? There's no good option here. Russian foreign minister says high-time American nukes in Europe return to the U.S. Seven of the Ukrainian servicemen killed by Russian shelling a military base. Well, I can go on and on. The world is supplying Ukraine with weapons. Do you think it's simply to help the Ukrainians? Or do you think that there's a little money being made on the weapons? I'll let you figure that one out. Beware the government media complex, said Michael Savage. But long before that, Eisenhower warned about the military-industrial complex. It's hard at work right now, and they're salivating on the profits. Also in the news that you may not have seen yet, as we go to press, civilians have been targeted as missile hits Freedom Square. Government building exploded in a fireball. Again, the 40-mile convoy is near Kiev. Belarusian troops have entered the battle. The worst has yet to come. There's going to be a confrontation with the West unless the West removes itself from this war. Ruble is worth less than a cent. Oil is above $102. I wonder who you think is making money on having shorted the ruble. Anyone know how the name begins with an S and ends with an S? Now they're calling for a seizure of New York City real estate of Russian oligarchs. That's a very dangerous idea because eventually Americans will have their property seized by foreign powers. Be very careful what you wish for. And then, of course, if you go to the Drudge Report, we see a picture of Putin as a madman, which is not very good. As I told you, I spoke with a CIA expert who you will soon hear on this podcast. The fact of the matter is, if you call a madman a madman, you make him even madder. And, of course, now the left is saying he will use nukes. Well, keep pushing him, and he will use nukes. And the fact of the matter is, experts are saying, yes, sure, he'll use nukes. And at the same time, the experts are saying that Ukraine has become the front line in the struggle. 
not just between democracies and autocracies, but in the struggle for maintaining a rules-based system in which the things that countries want are not taken by force? Tell me about Canada, all you liberal experts. Tell me about Trudeau, who has seized the trucks by force. So, yeah, there's a lot going on in the world that's very destabilizing and very bad. And all of the left-wing Putin watchers in America have it all wrong. They have it absolutely upside down. So what am I saying? What should be done? Immediate peace talks. Immediate peace talks. Zelensky is taken out of power by his own people. You know, countries have removed people from leadership in times of war before. No, he is not Churchill. He is not Churchill facing Hitler. There's no comparison between Churchill and Zelensky. This man is an actor who thinks he's in a play. The fact of the matter is he will kill more of his people than if they removed him from office and put a man in power or a woman in power who can negotiate with Russia a settlement that both parties can live with. That's all I have to say now on the Savage Nation podcast. Coming up is an interview with Mr. Fred Flights, who is a former CIA analyst and a man who knows exactly what's going on in ways that I think you will find of extreme importance. Thank you so much in these tragic times. And before I take this first break, let me say again, this is a terrible tragedy for the Ukrainian people, but it's not going to get better with Zelensky in power. He should be removed immediately by his own people. Michael Savage, a host like no other. We pick up where I left off because the worst is yet to come. I hope you understand that I'm not justifying what Putin has done. Please understand that. But I'm a realist, and I've studied history, I've studied war, I've studied political science for a very long time, since I'm 18 years old. Here's one man's opinion. It's that simple. Now, this morning, I tweeted the following. Zelensky should be removed by his own government to negotiate peace with Russia. He sees himself as a hero in his own play while bringing more death and destruction upon his own nation. Quote, he says, nobody is going to break us, unquote. Those are the words of a madman as his nation is burning. Now, I know many of you keyboard warriors say, give me liberty or give me death, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's fighting. He's a great man. It's bold of him to fight. Uh, why are you taking the side of Putin? Surrendering to Putin and the concentration camps will come. And things like that. I totally disagree. They should be throwing everything at Russia to reach a peaceful agreement. The whole planet depends upon it. And the fact of the matter is, he's a lunatic. He has no qualifications to have been a president. He's a retired comedian. And I've told you before, he's in his own play. But let's go back to why I say the worst is yet to come unless Zelensky is removed by his own government. There's an interesting article in, of all places, the New York Times this morning by David Leonhardt. And he opens by saying, good morning, the start of the war has gone poorly for Russia, but many experts are worried about what happens next. It's a very, very well-written article. We know that the Russian military has run into stiffer opposition than they thought, that Ukraine's government did not fall within a matter of days. But they have consulted with military experts, not keyboard warriors, who tell them, do not confuse a war's initial days with its likely result. 
And of course, we've seen what Russia has done in other cities that resisted before. Russia has now begun to use even more brutal tactics, including a bombardment of a residential area in Kharkiv, second largest city in Ukraine, home to universities and a center of national culture. Large explosion hit the center of this city. Douglas Lute, a former U.S. ambassador to NATO, told the Times, we're only in the opening days of this and Putin has a lot of cards to play. It's too early to be triumphalist. And there are a lot of Russian capabilities not employed yet. No kidding. As you will hear on this podcast, a lot could happen that's even more terrible. Now, let's look at what the strategy is that Russia has used before for taking over cities they consider to be hostile. They've used it both these strategies before in Syria and Chechnya. And this strategy is horrible. It revolves around firing missiles and bombs into residential neighborhoods, both to destroy infrastructure and to terrify civilians into fleeing. And then Russian troops advance into the city on the ground. Do you understand what's coming? Zelensky is saying we'll never yield. He must be removed by his own people before this happens. Because, according to the New York Times, many analysts predict that Putin will take a similar approach in Ukraine, killing even thousands of civilians to avoid a humiliating quagmire. He will not give up. The comedian will kill his own people because he loves the limelight. And here's what he says. A big fear among U.S. military officials is that Russia, having suffered initial setbacks, will unleash a huge bombardment of missiles and airstrikes on not only Kiev, but other cities where there's serious resistance, unquote. Do you understand that? Now, we understand that the Ukrainians are a very proud and tough people, and they're resisting the invasion. We understand how amazing it is to watch this, throwing Molotov cocktails, engaging Russian troops in street fights trying to repel Russian tanks with their bodies. Great spirit. Wonderful. But the fact of the matter is, while Russia has not yet won control of the airspace over Ukraine, and the Ukrainian military has been very successful at downing some Russian planes and helicopters, according to what we hear. Are you listening? But American analysts have always said air defenses were one of Ukraine's main vulnerabilities. So we'll see how long they can keep it up. Meanwhile, the U.S. and its allies are making things worse, sending ammunition, missiles, other equipment. And Turkey has even sent drones that seem to have played a role in destroying Russian convoys. It's only making Putin matter. We know the ruble has collapsed. We know that sanctions are hurting the rich. But do you think that this is going to stop Putin? Russia got a bloody nose in the early days of the war said Michael Kaufman, a military expert at CNA, a think tank near Washington. However, we are only at the beginning of this war, and much of the euphoric optimism about the way the first 96 hours have gone belies the situation on the ground and the reality that the worst may yet to come. And as I said at the beginning, and I will go back to the beginning of what I said, because my tweet, I think, is the only rational approach to go from here. Zelensky should be removed by his own government to negotiate peace, peace, peace with Russia. Zelensky is a madman, an actor who's caught up in his own play. He sees himself as a hero while bringing more death and destruction upon his own nation and his own people. The lunatic said, nobody is going to break us while people are dying and buildings are burning. Those are the words of a madman as his nation burns. I am not justifying. I'm only explaining to you. What will happen unless Zelensky is removed by his own people and his own government for the sake of the people in Ukraine and possibly the whole world? 
I'm Michael Savage. I hope you agree with me because peace must come first, not the ego of a mad actor. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. There's propaganda day and night from the yellow journalists like the New York Post, every last one of them. Remember last week you were told that the Russians were going to shell Snake Island. Remember that? And that the Ukrainians said, F you, F yourself. And they were called heroes by the Murdoch-Moloch crowd. Well, guess what? Now that we're being told that the Ukrainian border guards on Snake Island, who told a Russian warship to go F yourself as they defended Snake Island in the Black Sea, they're still alive, and they're being held captive by the invading forces. But wait, it gets even worse. Remember last week we were told Putin's Air Force lost eight planes? A lie. They were not shot down. That's Moloch's Murdoch. Unbelievable to me how it's going on. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders and occasional cortex are blaming U.S. imperialism for the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Hmm. Before he was Ukraine's president, Zelensky, the comedian who's trying to drag the entire world into war, voiced Paddington Bear for a commercial. Now he's voicing the voice of a hero. Somebody needs to remove this man before he drags the entire world into a world war. Here's Moloch's Fox News. War rages on. Ukraine's second largest city bombarded with shelling. As officials hold talks... Airspace over Ukraine still being contested amid Russian invasion. Senior U.S. defense official says, I guess the senior U.S. defense official took time out from looking for white nationalists to look and see what's happening over there. Biden warns there's no sanction that is immediate as U.S. and allies target Russia over Ukraine investment. No one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. It has to show this is going to take time. And we have to show resolve so he knows what's coming. And so the people of Russia know what he's brought on them. That's what this is all about. This is going to take time. It's not going to occur. He's going to say, oh, my God, these sanctions are coming. I'm going to stand down. He's going to test the resolve of the West to see if we stay together. And we will. We will. And it will impose significant costs on him. Taking Russia's U.N. authority won't be easy. And could be dangerous. Now, what could be dangerous from all the talking heads at the U.N. if they removed Russia from the U.N.? Well, let's look into Moloch's story. Who wrote this? Russia's role at U.N. under scrutiny as Ukraine calls for Security Council vote to be removed. Zelensky, the comedian, called for Russia to be stripped of its U.N. Security Council vote. Zelensky is the most dangerous man in the world. The man is a crazy, perverted comedian. And he's saying any attack on Ukraine is an attack on all of Europe. Do you understand how insane this man is? He is the madman. So Zelensky, the comedian, says Russia should be thrown out of the U.N. You listening to this? Now, what would happen then? Volodymyr Zelensky, the perverted comedian of Ukraine, says to deprive the aggressive country of the right to vote in the U.N. Security Council, to qualify Russian actions and statements as genocide of the Ukrainian people, to help with the delivery of corpses to, of Russian soldiers, talked about in a conversation with U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres, another prize, U.N. Secretary General. Where was he when the uh, Canadian truckers had their trucks stolen by Castro North? Now, what would happen if 
Russia was removed from the Security Council. A nutcase, Senator Marsha Blackburn, went along with this from Zelensky the puppet to encourage the U.N. to remove Russia from the Security Council. She's the craziest one of all. Crenshaw, another nutcase. Russia should be kicked off the U.N. Security Council, said Crenshaw. The U.N. has become a complete joke, and this might be a good first step. You know, these people are stupid. Do they have any idea what might happen? The Soviet Union was written into the charter as one of the permanent five P5 members of the council, meaning it was given a veto over the council's business. Now, after the fall of the Soviet Union, Russia took the Soviet Union spot that was not challenged. And the presidency of the council rotates on a month-by-month basis. It happens to be that Russia is the president for February and will be replaced by the UAE in March. The U.S. under Biden, the genius, will preside over the council in May. Now, if you scrub the Russia out of the Security Council, what would happen? What would happen? Even our U.S. ambassador has the brains to understand it's an insanity. Listen to what she said. Russia is a member of the Security Council. That's in the U.N. Charter, she said. But we're going to hold Russia accountable for disrespecting the U.N. Charter. And they've been isolated in many different ways. So just to indicate, 80 countries joined us in co-sponsoring the resolution More than 50 countries joined us at the podium to call out Russia's aggression. All good. So the fact that they're sitting on the Security Council does not mean they're protected from criticism, protected from isolation, and protected from condemnation. That's interesting. Others with brains also express doubt that Russia could realistically be stripped of its UN membership, given the fact that Russia can veto many matters of Security Council business. They don't think this through. And so there may be a moral argument to make you feel good, as a political signal, but the fact is, this might eliminate Russia from the United United Nations altogether, make it harder to talk to them, more resentful, and make them even more dangerous, but they didn't think that through. Are you listening? So it gets even worse. UN Security Council. People overestimate the importance of the Security Council, but it makes them feel good to say throw them out. Very good. Makes them feel good. Meanwhile, in Geneva, where the UN's Human Rights Council sits, critics have noted that Russia has been elected to sit on that body as well, along with other human rights abusers like China and Cuba. How do you like that one? You like that one? So the UN, of course, is a useless body. It has done nothing. It's done almost no good whatsoever. It's just a cash cow for the degenerates who work for it. Let's move on. I'm sick of this. Let's go to Breitbart News. Former Attorney General Barr blames Trump for January 6th, calls for different 2024 nominee. Oh, what happened to him? Ukraine and Russia in ceasefire talks. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. EU prez on Ukraine. They belong to us. We want them in. Okay. Oh, you want them in. The European Union wants war, in other words. Trump vindicated Germany finally to pay for required NATO dues. Boxer Vasily Lomachenko takes up arms in Ukraine. I wish him the best. Californians rally for Ukraine against Putin. Oh, how brave. Did they rally for the Canadian truckers? I kind of doubt it. Aren't these the same Californians who rally for the uh, Arabs against the Jews? Look, there's not much more I can say that would make sense. And so what I'm going to do is give you some data here that you don't have. But before I do, I'll give you some tweets that I do have. I didn't do too many tweets over the weekend, but I did a few. So here's a few of the tweets for whatever they're worth. 
Let's see what I did over the weekend. Um, let us see. Oh, yeah. Thursday night, I gave you that one. Uh, I said that the just before the Trump rally, I was on Newsmax TV, and I said, with Trump, there was no war. No, there wasn't any war. But here's an odd one for those of you who follow me and want to hear what I have to say. I was shocked over the weekend to see that little guy from uh, the CIA Clapper, Clapper, Clapper. Looks like some he had some something seriously wrong with his mind a long time ago. Clapper, who for years was creating the fantasy that uh, Trump was insane, there was a Russia-Trump collusion. Remember that for years? Well, now he came in there and said Putin is mentally ill. They actually tried to bait me to answer that one on TV the other night. I said, how would I know? I'm not a psychiatrist. And I, the rumor started already. So here's what I tweeted. Same deep state that faked Russia collusion and denies Biden is senile now says Putin is mentally ill while Zelensky, the megalomaniac actor, tries to drag entire world into war. Russia is the aggressor. Putin a dictator, but he's not insane, is what I wrote. No, he's not insane. That's another deep state lie. We have a senile president. They didn't notice that. Meanwhile, over the weekend, I try to watch TV. So I put on Vikings on Netflix. I couldn't believe how bad it was. So here's what I wrote. It's a simple tweet. Vikings, Netflix, Woodstock meets non-vegan Hells Angels, written to sound like a kid's cartoon show, and how they managed to work in a woman of color as a Viking leader would be like a Nordic woman being made the leader of the Zulus. Must be the Obama's magic touch. What's next? A gay scene? That got some traction. People were interested in that one. And then on a non-direct note, I tweeted this, awaiting Whoopi Cushion Goldberg to say, it's just white people killing white people. For those of you who remember what actually happened when she said during the Holocaust it was just white people killing white people. And instead of being thrown off CNN forever, they gave her a slap on the wrist because she's a woman of color and untouchable with a made-up Jewish name, by the way. Unbelievable. What is in the news? Now let's go to everyone's favorite site, not let us see what the Drudge Report has to say. Putin sends a militia into Kiev to assassinate Zelensky. I know the proper pronunciation now is Kiev. It's been Kiev for hundreds of years, but now it's Kiev. The people in the media were trained to say Kiev. Kiev, they sound like they're locals. Finland and Sweden to join NATO, question mark. USA, European allies freeze Vlad's war chest. Cut off from dollar transactions. Well, they don't understand there's going to be a... a, a a reaction to that as well when all of the American oligarchs who have their money hidden in European accounts and gold probably hidden uh, in places in Europe like Ukraine. And what about the Biden family? Don't they do a lot of business? Remember Burisma? You forgot all about that? Oh, I see. I forgot about that. The money the Bidens have made in and out of Ukraine. Where's their money? Wait until you see what they say about this. Russians line up at banks, key interest rate doubles, ruble crashes, and then uh, the headline says, nuke crazy with a picture of Putin. Even Putin's generals look stunned after being ordered to put nuke forces on alert. Where'd they get that from? Who said they look stunned? Who wrote that one? A bishop says, Vlad is the Antichrist of our time. Uh, look, what he's, look what he's coming from. A bishop. You know what a bishop is today? A bishop on a, on a chessboard has more authority than a, than a bishop in a church. Okay, what else is going on? TV host cries about losing his Italian villa. Well, there's nothing in there. 
U.S. Embassy advises Americans to leave immediately. We saw that one. Huge Russian convoy converges on Kiev. Kiev or Kiev. I, I've called it, you call it Kiev, I call it Kiev. Everyone called it Kiev for hundreds of years. Now it's Kiev. One Schmendrick in the media called it Kiev. So now it's Kiev, not Kiev. Europe sends fighter jets, closes airspace. Okay. Zelensky emerges as global hero. No, he's a global schmuck. He's trying to drag the whole world into Ukraine's war. Again, let me be clear. I'm not an apologist for Putin. He's the aggressor. He invaded. He's a dictator. But this maniac in Ukraine wants the whole world to fight his battle. Okay, do you know what that means? The whole world could go up in flames because of that putz. What else is in the news? Oh, I don't know where to go for news. I don't, USA Today, I never read it. Russia under stress. Again, USA Today is about as trustworthy as uh, Biden is. Russia under stress. Of course it's under stress. We knew the Russian ruble would plunge. I'm sure that Soros bet against the ruble. Probably made another billion dollars on that one. That's, that's a guarantee. Here, look at it. Erratic, delusional lawmakers question Putin's stability. Remember I told you that? They don't question Biden's stability. The same ones who said that there was Russia collusion are now saying that Biden is unstable. Will U.S. continue to arm Ukraine if Russia takes Kiev? Kiev. We have to say it two ways now. So I'm not accused of not knowing how to pronounce Kiev. 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 What else is in the news? Part of dolphins swim next to stunned surfers. Our bans on Russian vodka may be inconsequential because it's not even made there. It's just a name. It's made here. But don't tell anyone that. They want to feel good. Uh, Buccaneers Pro Bowl guard announces unexpected. Who listens to sports? What moron listens to sports at a time like this? Nine NFL draft prize. What up, putz? Newspaper. Okay. Now I want to give you the meat of today's podcast. Many of you think this is about the territory of Ukraine, which it is. There's always a territorial imperative in war, but it's always about money as well. Follow the money. Why do you think there's such a fight over Ukraine in the world right now? Why does Ukraine matter? Well, it's number first in Europe in proven, recoverable uranium ores. It's second place in Europe and 10th place in the world in terms of titanium ore reserves. It's second place in the world in terms of explored reserves of manganese ores. 12% of the world's reserves of manganese are in Ukraine. Second largest ore of iron ore reserves in the world, 30 billion tons. In terms of mercury, second place in Europe in terms of mercury ore reserves. Third place in Europe in shale gas reserves. Hmm. Fourth in the world by total value of natural resources. Seventh place in the world in coal reserves. And it's a great agricultural country. I tried to tell you this on television the other day when I was cut off. Ukraine was the breadbasket of the Soviet Union. It's the first in Europe in terms of arable land area. Did you know that? Third place in the world by area of black soil. First place in the world in exports of sunflower and sunflower oil. Second place in the world in barley production. Fourth place in barley exports. Third largest producer and fourth largest exporter of corn in the world. Fourth largest producer of potatoes in the world. Fifth largest rye producer in the world. Fifth place in the world in bee production. Eighth place in the world in wheat exports. 
ninth place in the world in the production of chicken eggs. Ukraine can meet the food needs of 600 million people. You may dismiss this, but don't dismiss what I am saying to you. This is a big factor here. Ukraine is a highly industrialized country. First in Europe in ammonia production. You make fertilizer from ammonia. Fourth largest natural gas pipeline system in the world. In terms of installed capacity of nuclear power plants, it's the third largest in Europe and the eighth largest in the world. Did you know that? It's the third largest iron exporter in the world. The fourth largest exporter of turbines for nuclear power plants in the world. Fourth world's largest manufacturer of rocket launchers. Hmm. Fourth place in the world in clay exports. Fourth place in the world in titanium exports. Eighth place in the world in exports of ores and concentrates. And ninth place in the world in exports of defense industry products. The tenth largest steel producer in the world. So there's always a territorial imperative in war. And there's always a financial imperative in war. Never, ever forget that. Let's pray that sane people come to the table and peace reigns as soon as possible. Share this with 10 people. You'll be doing them a favor. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. With the fog of war and the media disinformation out there and the people in the media trying to stir up even more war for ratings, we need to find out what's really happening in Ukraine. So we went to Frederick Flights, formerly with the CIA, to come back to the Michael Savage podcast to try to clear the fog of war and tell us what is going on and what he thinks will go on now that the world is declaring Putin to be crazy, he's liable to get even crazier. Nice to see you again. You were 100% right last week, Mr. Flights. I see you on every channel now. You are the resident expert. So you and, well, I, may not, you may, you and I may not agree on certain things today, but I, I'm not following the narrative that everyone is projecting about this situation. I don't know that you are. You aren't. I mean, we haven't talked before. Frederick Flights is a former U.S. government official, served as the chief of staff and executive secretary of the National Security Council during the administration of uh, President Trump, former CIA analyst and currently the vice chairman of the America First Policy Institute Center for American Security. Welcome back to the Michael Savage podcast, Mr. Flynn. Michael, it's great to be here. Now, I think last week you said we don't want the people of Ukraine to be conquered by Putin, but it is not in the United States a strategic interest. I totally agree with that. You then said it's an important concept that military forces use wisely and carefully, and the U.S. does not want to get into war with Russia. I agree again with that. Again, we both agree, I believe, that Putin is a dictator and the aggressor. There's no question about that. But I'm seeing all over the media this crazy statement by Condoleezza Rice and Clapper that Putin's crazy, and they're all repeating it. Yak, yak, yak. Putin crazy. Putin mentally unstable. How do they know he's mentally unstable all of a sudden? Where they come up with that? What is this? How does such disinformation help the situation, Mr. Flights? I, I think you're right. And I have real issues with the way the Biden administration has handled this statements like this. I think the constant red lines and threats of sanctions 
saying that Putin's crazy. If if we could send a senior diplomat to negotiate with the Russians and to stop the name calling, to stop disrespecting the Russians, I think Putin's wrong. But I think I also think he's a proud nation. He sees the world very differently than we do. He doesn't like a U.S. dominated world order. I think he's going to have to live with that. But I, I think that the way Biden is handling, he's been sort of rubbing it in. Uh, and, and we know Putin has had these uh, uh, unconventional views of Russian history for a long time. And look, he doesn't think Ukraine is a separate nation. I think he's absolutely wrong. But if you go through history, this has been a concern of the czars and mm. of Soviet governments. They, they often didn't like Ukraine nationalism. Uh, there, there were efforts to, to persecute the Ukrainian people many times during the Soviet era, during, during the era of the czars. It doesn't excuse what Putin is saying, but it is a phenomenon of Russian leaders. It goes back a long way. Do you agree with me that Zelensky is a megalomaniac who is actually possibly going to drag the whole world into war unless he comes to some terms with Putin? I haven't heard anyone say that, no. <laughs> uh, well, let's not say megalomaniac then. Let's say that this comedian who's become a, all of a sudden the darling of the world now wants the world to save him. He keeps saying anyone who attacks Ukraine is attacking all of Europe, which is crazy. He's trying to drag Europe into saving him, which, of course, is logical from his point of view. I think you and I would agree that we need to calm this thing down if we can and stop this before it escalates into World War Three as World War One developed the same way. One country did one thing, then the other one joined then that one. The next thing you know, I'm terrified as to how this is going. And to me, I know this is not resonating very well on social media. I believe he should abdicate. Even Napoleon abdicated when he lost the war, knew he would lose the war. What would happen if Zelensky said, for the sake of the Ukrainian people, I'm taking a refuge in London or in America? What would happen, do you think, Mr. Uh, Flights? I don't think it would make any difference. He'd be replaced by another Zelensky. Ah. Uh, but, but I will say that in, in peace talks between the Russians and the Ukrainians, I think the Ukrainians have to come ready to deal. Maybe in a perfect world, we could put Putin on, on, on trial for war crimes and make Russia pay reparations. Realistically, that's never going to happen. Mm. We're dealing with a, a state with the largest nuclear arsenal on Earth a, 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 and a leader who has made statements that he is increasing the readiness level of his nuclear arsenal. We need to give Putin an off-ramp. And, and I think Zelensky should promise some kind of neutrality uh, arrangement, mm. try to get Putin to deal. Uh, but I think this stubbornness that uh, the Ukrainians are going to win and they're doing so well, I hope they win. I hope they do well. But realistically, their win may mean hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians die. So my hope is there'll be some successful negotiation and the Ukrainians are going to have to make an offer. Well, I've been saying this for days and people are attacking me on social media. I'd like to know what you think. I'll just read a tweet. A true leader thinks of his people first, not himself. Even Napoleon accepted the and went into exile to save the lives of his people. Shouldn't Zelensky abdicate? Most of you seem to have grown up on video games, not history. Uh, I also said he's been a professional actor. He thinks this is a sitcom. Does he realize what the Russians will do when they capture him? Is this heroism? Is this heroism or the hubris of an actor? These are the questions I've been asking, and a lot of people don't get what I'm saying. 
Mr. Flights, for world peace. I don't think that we should be dragged in, you know, you know, to give. I know people don't want to hear this either. I give the Biden administration phenomenal credit for maintaining a neutrality here. We're sending weapons, but we're not doing a no fly zone. We're not escalating. I think Biden's doing as good a job as any. What do you think? I, I don't think Biden has handled this well, but I give him tremendous credit for not getting involved in this in this war. Huh. I do so many interviews where the interviewer asks, well, why don't we why don't we implement a no fly zone over Ukraine? Because we don't want to get into a war with Russia, Russia, a war that could escalate to a nuclear conflict. It's off the table. But it's just amazing how the, the, these idiots on television don't understand that. I don't think Zelensky stepping down would accomplish anything because he would be replaced by another Zelensky. But look, I don't blame him trying to drag the world in. What else is he going to do? Nothing. He's trying to save right. his country. He's trying to save his position as, as president. Uh, so, I, you know, as, as I said, I, I, I don't fault him for what he's been saying. Well, when people say a no-fly zone, that means U.S. fighter jets flying over the region and engaging in aerial combat with MiG-23s meaning aerial warfare, dogfights, Russia, U.S., that would escalate badly. You know, last week we read more uh, disinformation. First, they said that all of the defenders of Snake Island were killed by artillery shells from the ship. Now we learned yesterday that they weren't killed. The Russians took them captive and did not kill them. Last week, the BS came out from all the media that Russia lost eight fighter jets over Ukraine. Turns out they admitted that was a complete fake story. So what is really going on? I mean, in your you, look, you're you're a, you're a guy who's been inside the government. You, you've seen files I could never dream of seeing. I'm just using analytical skills from the outside looking in and having some concept of world history, some concept of Putin's mindset, knowing how these Russian people think about their history and what they are entitled to possess and own. You know, they're like ancient Vikings in some ways. People don't realize that. But there's a lot of Viking thinking in, in Putin, incidentally. And, and again, they watch the show Vikings and they, oh, they're great, the Vikings. Putin is, in essence, acting like an old Viking, you know, king is what he's doing. Do you think this will stop within a week and come to some conclusion that's peaceful? Well, let me first comment on what you said about these various statements about Snake Island and Russian planes being shot down. I am extremely sympathetic to the Ukrainians, but I know they are engaged in a war and they're also engaged in an information war. And I've Uh. seen a number of comments by people I respect on Twitter who are challenging statements by the Ukrainian government. It seems to be propaganda, both to prop up their people and to get the West to support them. I don't blame them doing that. But in in time of war, a lot of the things people say are not going to be true. They're being put forward to gain an advantage or, or to keep mm. the morale of their people and their troops up. So I, I hear you. I think there I was I, I was suspicious that the Russians killed all those Snake Island uh, Ukrainian soldiers. Also, that seemed awfully ruthless. And I wonder how that happened. Was it one shell? Did they did they machine gun them? It, it just it, I, I thought that was suspicious. So, so you immediately smelled a rat when they said when the media reported F you Russians, F you Ukrainians, and they went down as heroes. You didn't believe it right off the bat. I wanted to believe it. I mean, I didn't <laughs> want them to be down. I like the story of these heroic, but I, I thought, you know, this this just doesn't add up. I, I just wonder 
you know, how close was the ship when they fired at this island? I don't know. I, it seemed awfully ruthless of the Russians. I didn't put it past them. Ah. But in, in any event, it, 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 I was a little suspicious. You didn't put it past them because of what they've done in the past, such as in Chechnya, for example. They're, they're, they'll wipe out an entire city if they have to for their national anger. People don't know what they're dealing with here. But you know, if I go back- whether this could, could this wrap up soon, I think it could because, first of all, I've also said in my interviews, you know, this war is only a few days old. And I, we'd like to believe the heroic Ukrainian people and, and army is Ryan. is defeating the Russian army and significantly slowing it down and that they're going to win. I hope they win. But I, I'm a little curious whether um, that's going to happen, given that Russia has so much military might it could still throw at the Ukrainians. Well, will Russia accept an independent Ukraine? Are they going to want to turn it into a part of Russia? I'm hopeful Russia will accept what Ukraine claims is an independent, neutral Ukraine. And, and that might be the, the compromise that both sides could live with. And this would mean, if not formally doing so, uh, forswearing any attempt to get into NATO and, and EU. Maybe they'll say for 10 years, we're not going to talk about this. Hmm. We'll be right back. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. We're back speaking with Frederick Flights, formerly with the CIA, on the Savage Nation podcast. When we broke off, we were talking about the propaganda about the Ukrainian troops on Snake Island, who were, in fact, were not killed. The fact that eight Russian jets were not shot down. We also talked about the fact that Biden, Biden administration showing great restraint in not engaging in a no-fly zone, which would be, a, you know, an easy thing to do and engage the world in a war. Uh, with U.S. jets fighting Russian jets, which could escalate, because if we start shooting down Russian jets, and I really have no doubt that our pilots are better uh, than theirs. Oh, I have no doubt. I don't know at this point. Who knows what? But let's say we knock down a lot of Russian jets over the sky. He would go to some nuclear level. You mentioned on his podcast last week that he has tactical nuclear weapons, didn't you, or battlefield nukes? A huge number, and we if we we have none, if any, none. So what is this? What is a battlefield nuclear weapon? What is it? A limited dispersal weapon? It's a small yield nuclear weapon designed to uh, knock out uh, a, a, a group of troops on the battlefield. It's not even enough to destroy a city. But it would, it would kill, you know, a battalion size group, for example, at least. No doubt. I believe so. God, that's horrible. And we, we, we have none. They were I think they were dismantled. During when the Obama administration or, or I, I don't know when we dismantled them, but it was never part of our uh, our battlefield strategy. Now, the, the Trump administration realized that we need them if the Russians happen and was trying to bring them back. Now, the the Biden nuclear posture review is coming out soon. And my guess is that they probably will cancel the production of these weapons. And and and. I mean, it's horrible to think about, but the reason that one has to have them was that if the Russians have tactical nukes and we don't, if we have nukes that have a huge yield, we can't retaliate to the use of a, a tactical nuke with a Nagasaki weapon or a weapon of much larger yield. We have to be able to match them. Uh, and right now we can't. How does this turn out, Mr. Flights? I mean, can you project ahead? How long will this go on? I can't see this going on another week. Do you? I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that 
that the Russians are going to realize that the, the sanctions are so incredibly severe uh. and they're suffering such significant losses in Ukraine that uh, we, we may have some serious uh, peace talks within one to two weeks. That that's my hope. I don't. I think we're going to know soon. There's this large convoy of weapons and supplies on the way to Kiev. I, I think is part of of the assault on Kiev. If that assault doesn't succeed, I think we're going to see Putin move fairly quickly to uh, talks in good faith. But how do they get the weapons into Kiev? How do they get them across the border? Don't they have to go through Belarus? Uh, well, I know these are going by road. I don't think these came from Belarus. I think they came from Russia. Oh, weapons to the Russian troops. Yes. From Russia. I'm sorry. I thought you were mentioning NATO weapons going to Ukraine. How are they going to get them in? No, that's another question that no one's really talking about. It's great that all these countries are <laughs> promising weapons to, 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 to the Ukrainians. I don't know how they're going to get them in. They can't be flown in. The Russians would shoot the planes down. The Russians are also trying to seal the border. If there's convoys of weapons coming in, the Russians are either going to destroy them or they're going to seize the weapons. That's what I'm I'm exactly middle of the night woke up and said, these people are stupid in NATO. They're basically going to supply the Russians with NATO weapons. It's really too late, in my view, especially for Kiev. We're not going to get weapons into Kiev. Uh, we certainly, and, and I've been asked this again in, in interviews, well, why don't we airdrop weapons into Kiev? So the U.S. Air Force is going to fly into Kiev and drop weapons in to fight the Russians? No, I, I, I don't want our troops doing that. I want us to oppose this, but not with the not with U.S. military forces. Hmm. Do you think Putin would be satisfied, I know this is so speculative, with a peace deal where he kept the eastern provinces that he wanted, that he declared independent last week, and uh, uh, an, an agreement by Ukraine not to join NATO, not to put missiles on the Russian border. Do you think there's any chance he would accept such an offering? I, I think we're talking about something in the realm of possibility. Now, the Ukrainians are going to have to realize that they may have to offer at least this to stop hostilities, and it's going to be painful for them. They 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 will feel that they are rewarding uh, ag- aggression, but re- realistically, uh, that that might be something they'll have to go for. You know, if people just picked up a map and looked where Ukraine actually is, second largest country by area in Europe after Russia, and I did a uh, an introduction to this podcast about the natural resources of Ukraine. People don't realize how rich that land area is in proven recoverable uranium ores. It's actually first in Europe. People don't know any of this. Titanium ore, manganese ore, iron ore, mercury ore, shale gas. Arable land area, first in Europe in terms of arable land area, used to be known as Russia's breadbasket. I remember those from grade school days. But, you know, it's first in Europe in ammonia production, which is the basis of, of fertilizer. You probably know all of this. So I think, you know, every war that I've seen fought on the world stage has either, either been over territorial imperative, which basically comes down to resources and riches. Do you think that there's an element of this in Russia's aggression? You know, it, it might be an element, but I think it really goes to Putin's paranoia of having... Yeah 
a westernized Ukraine that could have NATO forces on the Russian border. That seems to be something he simply can't live with. Hmm. He can't, and he would like to de-westernize Ukraine. I, I, I don't think that is something the Ukrainian government will agree to. But how, they may do you, agree. how do you de-westernize Ukraine? What does that even mean? Well, I mean, if Putin had his way, he would install a, a, a Russian puppet government and there'd be a crackdown on free speech. Uh, there'd be he would try to change society. I don't think that would succeed. You mean like in Canada think- seizing the trucks of the protesters? <laughs> Maybe we'll have to invade Canada to save the truckers. You talk about madness it's just north of us. OK, it was a protest that blocked the bridges. In the ro- They're seizing their trucks. God. You talk about a dictatorship, but getting back to Ukraine, again, looking at the map, you see um, Sevastopol. Didn't didn't he seize that a few years under on during the Obama administration? Didn't uh, he seize that? In 2014, uh, Putin seized Crimea. Hmm. They uh, Russia already controlled the port of Sevastopol, which uh, it was leasing from the Ukrainian government. Ah, did they ever seize Sevastopol? No, when the Soviet Union broke up, there was an agreement that the port would be leased. Now, what people want to don't want to talk about right now, and I don't want to justify Putin's actions, the Ukrainian government was talking about canceling that lease. Oh, my God. And, and you know, we're not supposed to talk about that because we're all pro-Ukraine. I get that. But the Ukrainian government gave Putin a, a reason uh, to seize Crimea by, by talking about that because Sevastopol is crucial to Russia's Black Sea fleet, and and it wasn't something Putin would ever agree to give up. See, I, I stumbled upon this this concept because Sevastopol is their only warm water port, especially in the winter, isn't it? Well, Vladivostok, I believe, is also available to them. But this is the port that they need badly for their nuclear subs, for example, correct? That's right. It's it's crucial for their fleet. Uh, you know, they have, they have Murmansk, they have Vladivostok. I, I, I don't I don't think Murmansk is ice free in the winter, but it, it obviously, but it's the distance issue too. The, the, the Russians need to have a fleet in the Mediterranean. Well, Sevastopol leads them out into the Black Sea and they go through the uh, Straits in uh, Turkey, right? And then they're into the Mediterranean, which leads us again to how World War One started. Thus far, Turkey has played a neutral por- part in this, correct, Mr. Flights? I'm hearing reports that the Turks may be blocking the passage of Russian warships through the Bosphorus and the Strait of Darnells. Oh, God, it's and, World and War One all over again. If that's true, I find that incredible because that will lead to war between Russia and Turkey. That's something the, the Russian government cannot uh, uh, stand for. Oh, my God. Well, he's an Islamist sort of uh, Erdogan. And and that's worrisome, very worrisome if he's going to block the, the Straits unbelievable to me because putin's will go nuts altogether at that point he'll be landlocked to the mediterranean he's not you're right he's not going to accept that i didn't see that story well live and learn every day it gets worse this is just how world war one same thing one did one and the next did that the next did that the next did that so all we can do is sit here and pray to god that something sane happens here and again, people aren't going to want to hear this from me, but I think that the Biden administration is showing remarkable restraint given their past mistakes with regard to Putin, by the way. I think you agree with that, right, Mr. Flights? 
I have a lot of differences with the way the Biden administration handled this, but I, I, I give Biden credit for staying out of this uh, no-fly zone demand and not sending in American troops, not not trying to send in fly-in American uh, weapons. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Okay, I won't. I won't push. We'll be right back with more from this interview with Mr. Flights right after this. Michael Savage, a host like no other. We're back with Mr. Fred Flights, formerly of the CIA, on the Michael Savage podcast. Belarus. People don't know what role Belarus is playing in this. But last week we saw that the leader of Belarus said that he has all these troops ready to go, special forces from Belarus. And uh, it... I was shocked to see that I think it was Belarus that said they have 70,000 Islamist fighters, or was it Putin, ready to go to fight in Ukraine, people that they conquered who are crazy altogether. <laughs> this is getting nuts, nut, nuttier by the minute. But let's look at Kiev, where the battle is. Is the battle raging there today as we speak? Is it Kiev or another city? Well, well, the the the... the Ukrainians call it Kiev, and that's what I know. I called it Kiev for all these years, and I now all of a sudden the current, the current correct pronunciation is Kiev. I saw that everyone's being very appropriate now. You, you know, some call it Kiev, some call it Kiev. Depends upon which side of the Dnieper River you're from. I suppose that's a, an inside joke. I suppose. So where where are they fighting? They're not in Kiev or Kiev. Where are they? Where what city is being fought over right now? Well, I, I think the big battle is for Kiev and, and for the, the invasion. There's battles in various areas of the country. But for the invasion to succeed, uh, Russia has to take this city of three million people. Not going to happen. Uh, it, no. it's, it's, it, looks, it, it, it looks like it's going to be very difficult. The city is more or less surrounded right now. There's arguments over whether it's really surrounded. It's not surprising that the Ukrainians are claiming that it is not. What really worries me is that the Russians have so much military power. They have not employed uh, missiles, cruise missiles, very dangerous thermobaric missiles. These are missiles with fuel in them that, that, that set off a fireball that could destroy a whole city block and kill huge numbers of people, kill troops. Those missiles are in Ukraine with the Russian army. They haven't been employed yet. The shelling of Kiev has started. There's a lot of armaments and 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 fuel on the way to Kiev for 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 this siege of the city. Uh-huh. Uh, I, this could be the key on on whether uh, the Russians remain in Ukraine. Uh-huh. It gives me a sickening feeling as you speak when you talk about the thermobaric weapons which evaporate human beings, yeah, and which have not been used. And and when you got maniacs screaming that Putin's mad and Zelensky's a hero, like it's black and white, white hat, black hat. No comprehension of where this could go, because if, if he is mad, let's say he is a madman. What, what, what happens to a madman when you push him against the wall and he feels he's desperate and he's losing? Well, he gets even crazier. He doesn't suddenly get sane because you're calling him crazy. This is not diplomacy that we're hearing from the media. They're not doing a good job. So Kiev is now the key to this whole picture. Why? Is it because of the population center or the capital of the country? Is that why it's important? It, it's, it's the seat of government. It's the capital. But, but let me get back to this point of what happens when you push a madman against the wall, a madman with a nuclear arsenal. 
No one's talking about that. Mm. That's why we have to talk about negotiations to de-escalate, to give Putin an off-ramp. Everyone says, oh, he's evil, he's crazy, he he should be subject to a war crimes trial. That's not going to happen. And, and look, in life, things aren't fair. Some people get away with murder, and that's going to happen with Putin. We have to find a way to give him some way out. He can, he can claim victory. I hate the thought of it, but not going down that road means hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians are going to be killed. That's my position. For the sake of peace, Zelensky has to step aside. I don't care who it is, because he's made himself. See, here's the problem from my point of view. Putin's a giant on the world stage until this happened. No one ever heard of Zelensky. He was just basically a comedian who became president almost by accident. People don't know he did a parody play on television about a, uh, an actor who becomes president by accident. That was a parody he did be, while he was an entertainer. You know, it's like uh, I think there was a Peter Sellers movie about this a long time ago. People have forgotten. So. Now he's making himself bigger than anyone on earth, more important than anybody. And I'm terrified by his ego mania. I don't think he's thinking of his people, but you could argue he's brave and he's fighting for his people. And should he just roll over? They don't understand that the weapons that could be used have not been used. And people don't know what happened with Russia in World War II. They don't know that in the last four months of World War II, after the Nazi military had been defeated and they were fighting over uh, the, the remnants of uh, Berlin, the Russians sacrificed 400,000 troops fighting the Nazis just in the last four months of the war. Now, I'm not saying it's the same Russia as it was then, nor has Russia been through what the Russians had been through up to the taking of Berlin. But, you know, Mr. Flights, I think that the same mindset exists in the Russian military today. Something tells me that they haven't changed very much. Then they're liable to go, DEFCON 1, if this keeps up. Well, I don't know. There are signs that the, 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 the Russian army is much less professional, much less disciplined than uh, I think that we realized. Mm. I've, I've been talking to some uh, Amer- American military officials who, who've told stories about how they, are, they were not impressed with the Russian army before this happened. Now, they're better than they were with the invasion of Georgia in 2008, where it, it, they just looked like a ragtag group that couldn't shoot straight. They're much mm. better than that. And they have crack units. They have special forces, but there's a lot of conscripts. There's a lot of, uh, they've reduced the, the, the amount of mandatory time in the military. Uh, I, I'm not sure it is the crack force. It's, it, the, the, well, the Russian army is not 10 feet tall. Well, I saw pictures of captured Russian troops. They look like ordinary guys taken off the street and given a uniform who were captured, just ordinary, like ordinary Joes thrown in the military and they were captured. They don't look like crack troops, like our special forces, for example. But do they still have Spesnaz troops, special forces, Russian? They still have them, don't they? Yes. And they're fighting apparently in Ukraine. I know they're in Ukraine. I don't know what they're doing. I understand the Ukrainian government is very worried about them. They're also worried about troops that fought in Chechnya, which I think you referred to earlier, that apparently are, 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 are quite aggressive and cutthroat. They don't seem to be worried about the troops from uh, uh, Belarus, which are not regarded as, 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 as competent and, and capable. Uh, but there's 50,000 of them, so it's going to make a difference in, in, in the, uh, the war in Ukraine. 50,000 Belarusian troops? That's what I've heard, yes. 
That's an awful lot of troops. So before you go, I know you've got so many other shows that you're going to do. Um, we see the propaganda. What about China? Do you think China has given Putin a green light to proceed? Will China play a role in this? I've been thinking a lot about that, and uh, I don't agree that China and Russia have an alliance. I think they have a close relationship. I think we're moving them towards an alliance. My guess is that President Xi told Putin, please don't invade the Soviet Olympics, and I'm not crazy about this invasion at all. The reason is that this upsets the global financial situation. It hurts China. I think the Chinese are, are delighted to see a development like this that makes life difficult for the West and for the United States. But China's also looking at its bottom line. And I don't think the Chinese want to be linked with Putin that this is a huge failure. And, and I, I, you know, the Chinese abstained when the Security Council voted on this. I think that was very significant. They're mm. trying to blame the United States, but they are not in full-throated support of mm. Putin's invasion. Well, I, there was another issue today that... Um... Russia should be thrown off the Huron Security Council, <laughs> which, of course, they would veto because they're on the Security Council. Of course. <laughs> Who is in the media? They don't even know these things. Zelensky called for that. Well, God bless him. He could call for it. But the media should, shouldn't even report something like that. It's they, so, it's he, so Russia should, and all of a sudden, they're reporting it. They should be thrown off the Security Council without knowing that Russia's on it and could veto the move. They don't even know how things work, and they're up there reporting it. So you have been inside... Do you think we've seen the worst yet, or is it going to get worse before it gets better? I think it may get much worse before it gets better. Oh boy! If what we're if we if this convoy of troops and and fuel and weapons to Kiev is accurate and gets to Kiev, I, I think there's going to be a, a very very dangerous uh, assault on the city. I'm not sure it's going to succeed. I think it looks likely it won't, uh, but. Look, there are peace talks ongoing. I understand they were inconclusive today, but they're going to resume. Uh, you know, I don't know who can pressure uh, Putin to start considering negotiating seriously in the t- peace talks. And I think there's going to be pressure from the Russian elite, from military commanders, whether any of them have any influence on Putin, whether they'll be killed if they speak out against uh, the invasion or not, I don't know. But I-, I don't think the Russian elites are happy about this invasion. Well, that's what we're reading. I, they, the, the elites don't like it's bad for business. The military is very much like our military. They're sort of in it for the contracting and the dachas and the girls in London. I'm just joking now. Uh, I'm trying to make light of a terrible situation because it's the way I deal with the world. Is if I took this in, I don't think I'd survive another week. I can't sleep very well because I know history. I know how, how war, wars evolve. And they usually start like this. And it usually takes someone to back down, and neither side is going to back down here right now. Certainly not Putin. Maybe the comedian, I mean, the leader of Ukraine can be talked into abdication. I doubt it. He's never had such a good role in his life. Uh, I'm not impressed with his leadership. I don't think it had to come to this. Before you go, do you think this could have been avoided? Let's go back two months. Could this have been avoided? I don't think it could have been avoided two months ago. I think if we had had... Mm -hmm a much stronger and decisive American president from the very beginning. If the, if the, uh, uh, the pipeline had not been, the sanctions had not been lifted on that. Uh, I, I think if, if Putin realized there, there's a strong West led by a strong United States and the United States that wants to engage and work with the Russians, 
you know, Trump had lots of flaws. People criticize the way he dealt with the Russians, but he understood that we have to coexist with Russia as a nuclear armed power. That seems to be lost on Biden. And at the end of the day, it may come down to respect for Putin. You know, maybe he's mentally unstable and, and this issue pushed him over the over the limit. But I, I think that we have to think about I want Russia to be considered a European state. I don't want Russia going to China. I don't want them to have an alliance where they'll work against the Chinese, which are the existential threat, I think, to global security. Uh, so it, I'm hoping that will be one of the lessons we'll learn from this. All important thoughts from uh, Mr. Flights. You have amazing insights to the situation. And we both agree that this is a tragedy and the people of Ukraine in particular are suffering the most, and that the, the hope is for world peace, but we can hope all we want. But as we both know from studying history, hope doesn't bring peace. Something else brings peace, and sometimes it's war that brings peace, and that's a terrible reality. Any final words for the Savage Nation listeners who I know are hanging on your every word? Well, Michael, it's just a pleasure to be here. I learned so much from you uh, when I do your program and when I listen to you. And uh, let's uh, let's. Well, what, what could you have learned from me today that that you didn't know? Come on, what'd you learn? Nothing. No, I, I think we have a similar perspective on on where this is. Uh, I, I I don't agree with Zelensky abdicating, but other than that, I think we're pretty closely aligned. You don't believe in Zelensky abdicating, okay? But. Uh, when I see Clapper and Condoleezza Rice and Fox News declaring Putin mentally ill, almost on cue, Putin mentally ill, Putin mentally ill, is he mentally ill? And it just goes on for 20 minutes now. What's the difference? Can anyone tell me if Soros shorted the ruble? I don't think you want to comment on that one. <laughs> uh, you know, people are making fortunes on shorting, the, on shorting the currency right now. Money traders are probably making a fortune on, on, on doing that. People have made a lot of money out of war for hundreds of years. It's 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 sick, but it's just something that goes on. And then there's people who start wars to make money. I don't think that happened here, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see some reports on who is who is profiting from this war. I just want to close this wonderful interview with Mister Flights by saying that there was a book written in 1651 by uh, Hobbes called Leviathan, where he said the very law of nature is to seek peace and that that is the essence of true conservatism peace we mustn't lose that word people who are conservatives think that war is the nature of being a conservative but actually the opposite is true the very law essence first rule of nature is to seek peace not war hobbes wrote that i wish people would understand that that their philosophy doesn't mean militancy conservatism is not associated with militancy necessarily I appreciate your time, Mr. Flights. Thanks for being with us on the Michael Savage Podcast. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck today. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? 
please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.